Welcome to a new episode of the Middle East and Africa Forum for Sustainability Leaders, a special interview series dedicated to the role of those who are responsible of advancing, of, of designing and executing the sustainability strategies of their respective organizations and progress towards the, their sustainability, their climate and environmental commitments. I, I'm, I'm pleased to have today our featured guest speaker for this week, Marcelo Piva, uh, Regional Sustainability Director at, at, for the Middle East and Africa at Tetra Pak. Welcome, Marcelo. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me here today and looking forward to our discussion. Thanks to you for, for making the time. Uh, I'd like to kick off the interview uh, asking about your 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 career at Tetra Pak. You've been in the company for uh, over a decade now, and you've been also involved in the sustainability practice for th throughout this time. I wanted to ask, how was this role of a the need of a regional director firstly identified in the company? And obviously, as a one of the major uh, packaging companies in the world, uh, circularity and, and recycling is 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 perhaps a, a a large part of 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 that of that function. So, how how was the role first identified, and how how does the company ensures that the their the, their commitments in the in the recycling circular economy space uh, are are accomplished? Yeah, so, well, first, uh, it's been a, a more than a decade. It's indeed uh, completing 15 years uh, this year after two months. So it's it's going to be a, another milestone in the company. And, well, sustainability at Tetra Pak is part of our uh, DNA. So since its inception, Tetra Pak, although a global and very uh, large organization, is still a family-owned business. So as part of the family principles from the housings, uh, we have you know, sustainability as one of the key drivers to deliver on our commitment of making food safe and available everywhere while we are protecting, you know, people, food and the planet. So if we talk about uh, the the evolution and the creation of, of my position, my position was not here 15 years ago. So it starts actually, you know, back in the time it was primarily focusing on environmental performance of our production sites, right? So when you talk about a decade ago, environment was pretty much into compliance on your production uh, operations, environmental performance uh, on delivering on the regulatory landscape of you know waste management, uh, electricity consumption and, and uh, wastewater treatment, ISO certifications and et cetera. But sustainability has been growing and has been becoming broader and broader as, as it goes. So we see that sustainability today is not only about, even when we talk about circularity, recycling, it goes even beyond that. It goes on, on carbon neutrality, it goes on resources utilization, it goes on uh, climate and biodiversity and other areas. And we at Tetra Pak, we, we also have evolved in that way and we keep evolving because I still see that sustainability is going to be shaping up itself as we go, because it's a very dynamic area. So in the beginning, um, we started understanding the, the need. As you say, I mean, we are a, a primarily a packaging company, but we are actually an end-to-end -end, uh, supplier of, of solutions from A to Z uh, in, in food processing and packaging. And we understood that our stakeholders, for example, our customers, uh, as we are a B2B organization, the brand owners in this case, policymakers, consumers, we understood that there were demands coming from these areas that we would need to deliver on. So when you start having this broader perspective, other than only your production sites, 
then we how it evolved is that we started creating the role but the role was still like a part-time role as part of marketing or sometimes as part of communications or one person handling the three departments and this has evolved to the level that today we have an entire separate organization only looking after sustainability at Tetra Pak. And within sustainability, we also understand that sustainability is all like these different areas. So we have sustainability professionals looking after sourcing, looking after our capital equipment and processing equipment, looking after um, climate and biodiversity, another department looking into corporate social responsibility, and eventually the end of life or, or uh, recyclability, uh, circular economy, that we also have specific teams looking after this area within sustainability. And this is where I sit, for example, in the sustainability operations, where my primary, primary focus is into collection and recycling initiatives for post-consumer cartons. So it's an evolution that comes from a very narrow perspective of environment department all the way to the sustainability as we see today uh, and uh, looking after all these you know, requirements that comes from all the stakeholders. Yeah, so it seems like sustainability is now approaching a more holistic uh, way than a few years ago. And I wanted to focus on that point, like, how has the the function changed in the sense, are you now implementing some sort of KPIs or metrics to ensure that the, the progress in those areas uh, happen, uh, maybe to ensure that uh, a certain amount of, of those plastics uh, gets, uh, it, it comes from recycled sources or reused sources, or uh, ensure that the, the, the carbon emissions from your, from, from your value chain are, are, are reduced how, how has it changed over the years in, in those aspects? Yeah, so it, it's again, it's very dynamic, right? Because you, you depending on, on where you operate, you get different requirements or different expectations from the market itself. So a lot of these discussions and a lot of these initiatives, they are driven by the regulatory landscape. So you have a lot of new regulations coming. I mean, that's that's something that comes for everyone and that you need to deliver on those. But you cannot deliver on something that you have not started long time ago. So as I said, because of our approach to sustainability and uh, I'm proud of uh, being part of this sort of uh, base that has been built all over the years, we have been preparing ourselves already to face what the world is, is facing today. So the, the crisis of resources, the carbon emissions control, and also increasing recycling. So all these areas, for example, investing in our packaging material itself to be more based on renewable sources. So then you have a much better carbon footprint uh, perspective when you compare to other types of uh, packaging coming from fossil uh, sources. So this is not something that started now with all the demands on, on, on the net zeros or the carbon control. This is like years and years of development that we have been doing since nobody was talking about it, actually. At the same time, from recyclability perspective, now you have targets that comes with legislation. You have extended producer responsibility regulations that come to producers. And then if we haven't started long time ago preparing the infrastructure and preparing our packages to be designed in a way that they can be recycled, today we would have a very big challenge because we would be facing targets in legislation and we wouldn't be able to deliver on them. So the same comes for all the other commitments that are linked 
to the brand owners because we see today a lot of brand owners and governments proposing and, and committing on, on net zero targets and, and co committing on, on their own recyclability targets and everything. And we are linked to them because we are suppliers to them. So we need to work into the entire value chain from sourcing all the way to the use and post-consumer management of our packages. So we do have targets. Most of these targets, they are either driven by the regulations itself or by our own sustainability initiatives that we have them uh, pretty much published in our sustainability reports. And that's an interesting point as well, because we see the, uh, that when we talk about targets, we see when we talk about our roadmaps and how much are we delivering or performing, we see a very interesting increase in the applications and development of AI and IOP. So you, you have a lot of, of uh, different types of technologies that now are becoming more and more useful for us to monitor our progress, to report on our progress, and also to take decisions. So I think it's, you know, the, the development of technology together with all this sort of pre uh, uh, preparation work that has been put in place is supporting us to deliver on all these fronts that you have mentioned before. Yeah, and at the corporate level, uh, you are the regional director for the Middle East and Africa. So does that mean there's like, is there a global team for Tetra Pak that sets the guidelines in terms of sustainability and then is that um, distributed uh, across different regions? How are how are you? How is the company uh, structured to uh, ensure that the, the the functionality of the sustainability department across regions? Yeah, so we have uh, our sustainability uh, uh, vice president reporting directly to our global CEO. So it's a it's a global uh, sort of organization, and then from this vice president, then you have the uh, as I mentioned before that we have sustainability operations, then we have climate and biodiversity, and we have so different areas within sustainability that report into this uh, area. Again, they are all central. And from there, you start then uh, cascading to the markets. So then you have the regions like Middle Eastern Africa, you have Americas, you have Asia. So you, within these regions, then you have the sustainability teams based in those regions. So as you say, as yes, the strategy comes from the global uh, and central uh, team with the main strategies, and then once they get cascaded to the markets, then of course it, it gets adapted to the reality of each one of the markets because we have very different uh, targets and priorities and needs in, in each of the regions. I mean, there is a very big uh, difference in, in my role compared to the regional director based in Europe, for example. Yeah, so and you mentioned like uh, that sense the, the regulatory landscape is a big part of how you operate from one market to another. How do you see the Middle East compared to other markets where Tetra Pak operates in, in that aspect? Um, the way I see is like, Middle East, it can be an example, but overall, in, in any region that you operate as a sustainability uh, professional, you have a, a different approach compared to other regions. Even the level of capabilities that you need to have, um, you know, to deliver on the job that is required from you changes. So if I, if I give an example from Middle East, of course, here, water scarcity and desertification is, is a big thing, right, uh, which is not in any case, apparent in South America so or, or Europe. So here uh, we have a lot of focus on the resources, 
but at the same time we have a less mature uh, sort of regulatory landscape when it comes to areas uh, as we are talking here about circularity and recycling waste management uh, sort of development uh, uh, let's say position that we have today in in the middle east is still way back compared to where other areas in the world for example europe is at the moment so what happens is that here you have a lot of work that is required from the sustainability professional to be much more involved in operations like creating recycling capabilities, creating uh, collaboration and, and engagement partnerships with recycling companies, collection companies, and eventually trying to support and collaborate with government to develop the regulations and the extended producer responsibility in a way that can sort of uh, support and activate all these operations. So it's a lot more involvement in, in making things happen and like building that even the infrastructure sometimes that we have investments and all these things. But if you compare, uh, you know, with, with my colleagues when they are based in, in Europe, for example, there you have much more of another type of uh, engagement because it's more on the regulations. It's about understanding what are the changes. And by the way, we have this big wave of changes uh, coming from the packaging and packaging waste regulations that are being uh, processed in Europe at the moment. And this is changing a lot of what has been done for the past many years. So now you have a lot of advocacy that is required, a lot of stakeholder engagement. You have a lot of awareness activities that you need to do with consumers because you are changing some of the collection systems, implementing, for example, the past deposit return systems. So. It, it's like depending on where you are, depending on the, the, the needs of that particular market, then you can understand what would be like the main role or the main capabilities that a sustainability professional would be required to deliver on. So it's it's quite different. If you if you ask the same question for three or four different professionals in different areas, they would give you different answers of what are the key focus uh, on sustainability, for example. And have you noticed any uptake in, in terms of uh, regulations to ensure that uh, a higher number of, of, of packagings of, of plastics end up recycled or re reused or at least not end up that don't end up in, in, in landfills in both in the Middle East and Africa? Um, ha have you seen uh, governments being more proactive, governments, uh, pr the private sector being more proactive in advancing uh, this kind of regulations? Yes, I, I see. And uh, of course, I mean, things get triggered from more developed countries, right? So you have this packaging, packaging waste regulations, then of course this gets to be uh, seen by, by governments all around. Uh, and I see a, a very interesting movement happening from Middle East and Africa in trying to accelerate the regulatory landscape and trying to accelerate as well the infrastructure for collection and recycling. But the one thing that we also can see is that Sometimes the, the, the government, they actually understand that getting the brand owners or getting the, 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 the let's say the international companies to collaborate with them and to understand based on the previous experiences and the, the geographical sort of uh, uh, reach that these companies have, this can be a very good platform to collaborate and work together with them. So if I give you an example from the UAE, the UAE has implemented the uh, Circular Economy Policy Council. So this is the council that is developing all policies and regulations 
towards a circular economy, which involves several things designed for recycling, infrastructure, uh, awareness, and more importantly, uh, the extended producer responsibility. And the interesting thing is that this Council, this policy council is formed not only by government, it's actually a mix of government entities and private sector in which we are collaborating with them. So there is a very uh, interesting change in the way Middle East and Africa have been looking into uh, regulations and the importance of improving the waste management sector. And also there is quite an interesting approach as a collaborative approach instead of just you know, private sector waiting to see what is going to happen and if they are going to be surprised with a new regulation tomorrow. So I think this collaboration and uh, joint work between the private and uh, public sectors is being like very important for the region for us to, to develop on the new policies uh, for circular economy. Yeah, and what would be your advice for those companies that are starting to, you know, create their sustainability departments from scratch that they're maybe trying to figure out what is the best approach to create sustainability, uh, dedicated teams to advance their sustainability strategies and commitments? You know, for, for companies that are still in this uh, stage where they don't have yet, I mean, the, the, the structure of sustainability or, or the department or let's say something that they are not looking yet at sustainability in a way that it's, uh, it's a main priority, I, I would take like a step-by-step -step approach because first of all, it's very important and, and, and actually crucial that you need to align sustainability goals, you know, with the organization's overall uh, strategy and values. So the sustainability role should actually reflect an alignment between the sustainability goals that the company is, is willing to achieve together with the organization's overall strategy and value. So once you, you have this alignment, then you need to understand what are the key areas of impact of the business in line with the government agendas and the regulatory landscape to see then, as I mentioned before, depending on the needs or depending on the requirements or expectations from the stakeholders where you are operating, then you need to define what capabilities do you need? Because it's not just putting someone or employing someone as a sustainability professional if he or she doesn't have that specific capability to deal with the requirements of that specific region or, or the, the main goals that you set for your organization, then this cannot be really uh, operated. Once you do that, then there is a very important point that is getting the top level executives and board members to ensure that sustainability becomes part of the organization's culture. So not to be like this sort of department aside that, you know, it needs to be well planned and it's to be resourced. So once you get that with appropriate level of you know, relevance and priority in the organization, then you can really make sure that this organization or this department is going to work and it's going to work properly, delivering on, on, on the promises and delivering on the commitments from, from the company. But again, as, as I said, it's, it's, a, it's a very dynamic uh, uh, sort of environment and being in this sort of road for quite some time, what I also can, can, can say is, it's important to understand it's not about creating one sort of sustainability department with some people employed as sustainability professionals there and let them drive, let them do the job. Actually, sustainability needs to be a culture in the entire organization because everyone in any organization should be able to 
talk about sustainability, not to the level of being experts, because of course you have people to to to, to deliver on that, but at least to understand, I mean, their own organization, their own way of supporting uh, uh, reducing their uh, environmental impact or, or to deliver on the sustainability agenda that is supposed to be done by the company. So everybody should be able to talk sustainability, but of course you need to have this organization to make things happen and with the right proper plans and, and resources in place. It's interesting you mentioned that part. We just had as part of this interview series uh, uh, a previous interview with the CSO of Aramex and this also the CSO of Shalhub Group. And they were both mentioning uh, in separate interviews that they like to keep their uh, sustainability team small so they could uh, spread the, the sustainability message and make the sustainability uh, a responsibility of the entire organization. Uh, you know, because as it, it goes beyond the, the role of the chief sustainability officer or the per, the person in charge of the sustainability team. Um, and in terms of skill sets, we've we've seen like very different profiles taking the role of uh, directors of sustainability, chief sustainability officers from people who have been involved in, 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 in environmental and sustainability issues for many years, but also others that uh, they were a few years ago, they were uh, running other departments from logistics to finance or even sales. Um, and all of a the sudden they've become uh, the, the, the sustainability, the sustainability leaders of, of their respective organizations. What would you say uh, they are the, the main skill, skills that uh, a head of sustainability or sustainability director like yourself needs in, in, in his toolbox? Um, yeah, so one of the sort of problems, as you say, is that sustainability, because it's something not very old, it's it's quite new uh, concept and it keeps evolving. So you don't have that much of, you know, specific, uh, you have a lot of, I mean, uh, MBAs and, and, and capability building tools that you can that you can use, but not as much as like civil engineering as, as some uh, other activities that you have for a much, much longer time, much older. Uh, so this creates, as you say, a little bit of a variety of levels of capabilities in different areas when you appoint professionals for 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 that role. But to this point, when you when you say you know for the toolbox, it really that's why it's so important that when you are implementing or when you are opening a position, you need to really understand what are you trying to achieve as an organization. And what is the, uh, let's say, the other stakeholders around you expecting you to deliver on? And why I'm saying that, as I said, if you if you get someone that is extremely experienced in putting together recycling systems, recycling operations, you even hire someone that comes from the recycling industry that can do a great job in that area. But maybe when it comes to engaging with policymakers, engaging with some of these discussions with the government and also having this advocacy work, he or she would not be well equipped for that specific activity and vice versa. Someone that comes from years operating, for example, in a packaging recovery organization or, or running a department under the Ministry of Environment and then coming to a more operational role where he or she needs to deliver on all these needs of creating value chains for recycling and then engaging with, uh, depending on the level of engagement or development of the country, engaging with waste pickers and getting them in formal sector, formal sector, he or she would maybe not be well equipped for that as well. So what I would say, yes, it's important to be as much as 
trying to expanding your knowledge a little bit, trying to mix operational knowledge, technology uh, understanding, and at the same time regulations and, and public relations and etc. But in one way or another, whenever you are landing as a sustainability professional in, in one specific role, then there you will need to somehow give some direction to your sort of uh, capability building to understand where you can add more impact uh, to, to the role that you are playing. So there is no straight answer. Yes, uh, you know, you need to, for example, tick the boxes of these uh, sort of capabilities. But at the same time, um, it really depends on, on, on which areas and which countries or regions or, or which sort of commitments the organization that you work for are going to be uh, implementing. So that's yeah. that's more or less uh, it. Yeah. So it seems like uh, 30 minutes go by pretty quickly. Uh, we'll have to wrap it up here. But uh, Mar Marcelo Piva, Regional uh, Sustainability Director for the Middle East and Africa of Tetra Pak, thank you so much for your insights today and for participating in our special uh, interview series for uh, the, the the COP28 campaign we're, we're launching for the run-up the run-up of COP28, uh, 12 weeks, 12 podcasts, 100 voices that will culminate in a live event taking place on November 22nd at NYU Abu Dhabi. Thank you so much, Marcelo, for your insights today. No, pleasure is mine. Thank you so much.